0: Welcome back to the Tectonic Takes podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Ornelas, and with me today is one of our other uh, co-hosts here within the Tectonic Takes family, uh, Chris Mercado. How are you doing?
1: Doing great, Ivan. Thank you for having me on today.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you on once again, and it's in better circumstances than just three days ago. So in the wildest games of the season, well, two of the wildest games of the season happened within the space of three days. We Excellent. saw Rail Salt Lake survive a trophies hat trick to get a 4 3 win, which strengthened their cause in the playoffs and put ours in jeopardy. But then, following the announcement of Justin Morrow's retirement at the end of the season, we drew on that Goonies Never Say Die spirit from 2012 for one final push, starting with Austin. Despite going down 3-1 at halftime, the season was looking like it would go down in flames. But like a Phoenix, the San Jose Earthquakes rose from the ashes to get a 4-3 result at Q2 Stadium. Three valuable points, playoff hope still alive. Or your initial thoughts?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. You know That game was electric, fire, and like you said, like a Phoenix, rose from the ashes, kept fighting. Uh, I would say, maybe call it the trophy show, you know, five goals in two games. Yep. He's uh, he's completely turned around his form. The team is working really well with him. And, you know, it's not just him. You know, it's a team game. He, The team did well, you know. to I thought Marcos Lopez's goal, his header, top class, top class. Marcos Lopez is a great defender, great attacker, and it was a good goal.
0: Yep, we'll get into all seven of those goals in just a moment. Let's take a look at these lineups. So the Quakes starting 11, we saw a bit of rotation here because we've had a lot of games in close succession. J.T. Marcinkowski is ever in goal. We had Tommy Thompson getting a rare start for him at right back. Nathan and in the center back uh, partnership. Uh, Marcos Lopez in left back. Then we have Eric Remedy and Jackson Ewell holding it down at center midfield. Christian Espinoza, Trophies, and Carlos Fierro, and those wingers and cam rolls for Trophies. And up top, Benji Kikanovich. And then yep. with the players that came off the bench, we had Osvaldo Alanis uh, subbing in for Nathan Late. We had Paul Marie coming in for Tommy Thompson. Jack Scan uh, giving some relief for Christian Espinoza. Once again, uh, everyone's favorite substitution, Andy Rios for Trophies. And then Kate Cowell came on at halftime with Carlos Fierro taking on the first half and Kate Cowell picking up where he left off. No Chris Wondolowski this time around, perhaps uh, saving him for another day.
1: Yeah, perhaps. Yeah.
0: So what were your thoughts on this lineup and the sub decisions?
1: You know, I think this lineup is pretty solid lineup. You know, I think um, the good, good rotation players. I thought our striker up there, he was making a couple of good runs. Uh, unlucky to be offside a couple of times you know I thought he has good striker movement and you know it's important for us to play all of our players and so they all get their legs ready and for continue for the rest of the season I do think the absence of uh, Judson today uh, or yesterday uh, for that game was a little bit maybe, maybe missed you know he's a hard-working player but other than that pretty solid lineup
0: yeah, I think so, too. I think some of these decisions were perhaps out of necessity, both in terms of the starting lineup and then the which players came off the bench, which players came off the bench at what time and the case to uh, not play Chris Nolaski at all. I think it was also situational where they had the lead already and they needed to sub in Alanis to close the game out. So yep. I think you have to work with what you got. I think the MLS is a very difficult league to rotate in not necessarily deciding to rotate obviously you do have to when the fixtures get this congested but how you do it and when is very important there's no like Chelsea if they have a Champions League match midweek and then they have a team like Norwich coming up on the weekend it's obvious that they're going to rotate players for the Norwich game because they think that even with some of their substitutes, they should be able to beat Norwich. You don't necessarily have that lecture in MLS. Austin Mm. is bottom of the Western Conference, and, you know, we need a strong lineup to get this win.
1: Absolutely. Uh, It's definitely a difficult league, and, you know, it's no small feat trying to travel every week, uh, away games. And so the team definitely has to be strong. They have to be working together, and everybody has to give 110% in order to go out – go away, and get the three points.
0: Right. So along with no Judson for this match, we still mm-hmm. don't know when we're getting Shea Salinas back. We might not get Jeremy Abobasi back for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Uh, nothing has been said on that front, so it's just a hunch at this point. Uh, we in, No news isn't necessarily good news in this case. and. That's true. Siad Haji uh, has a undisclosed injury as well. He was listed as questionable for this game. We didn't see him on the lineup, and I did feel bad for Haji because at the beginning of the season it seemed like he was going to have a role to play yeah. in certain games, and it just yeah. hasn't worked out for him.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I thought, I thought so too. You know, I, I like the, uh, I like his style of play, the little bit that we've seen in, seen, seen of him in a quake shirt. The little flick up, I'm never going to forget that uh, earlier on. Uh, forget against who that was. A little flick up and over the, the, the attacker there was a touch of class, and that just shows that Haji is a player to see for the future. You know, I'd love to see uh, Matias Almeida integrate him into, into the system he has going on currently.
0: Yeah, it wasn't that long ago when we were saying similar things about KCAL. It's like, okay, we've seen some good things from him. I can't wait to see more. And eventually we have seen more, and we haven't been disappointed. So... We just have to be a little more patient and hopefully Siataji, whatever injury he has, he can recover from that. And if not by the end of this season, we'll see more of him in 2022.
1: Yeah, definitely. Him the link up between him and Kate Cowell, I'm sure, will be great. You know, they <laughs> they've, been, they've been they've been practicing together and you know, they'll go from there.
0: And that comment has also reminded me that As the season goes on, and maybe some expectations have been tempered because KKL hasn't started as many games after the All-Star break, but the links to moves to Europe or elsewhere have started to diminish for KKL, and I think that could still be a good thing because he's still very young. He's got plenty of time to make that big move, and if he continues to play regular game time for the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, that will only be good for him.
1: I agree you know he has to focus on what he where he is now focus on his minutes here at the earthquakes and everything else will fall into place you know I would love for him to stay here in the earthquakes and become a legend what a story that could be but you know down the road I'm sure a couple of offers will come in for him and that's when things really hit the fan you know we're gonna have to see what happens from there
0: it's not often that i hear that phrase something hitting the fan being a good thing so <laughs> that's pretty interesting there and now let's yeah. go take a look at this austin lineup so y- there's some familiar names in here there was one that played one that was on the bench and one that wasn't even on the bench all former sands earthquakes players do you know who i'm talking about
1: we had nick lima there oh yes. what a why why is nick lima gone into Austin. Now, uh, you know, having him play against us, I've seen him give us a couple of passes. You know, he's still playing with us. He still has the San Jose spirit. Uh, no, but, you know, we had we had him there, and who would you say was the other player? Uh,
0: so on the bench for Austin was their backup goalkeeper, Andrew Tarbell.
1: Uh, yeah, th- that man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh... – a bit of a rocky relationship with Andrew Tarbell. Not many Quakes fans were shedding tears when he left, but he's doing all right for himself. He was on the Columbus crew team that won the MLS Cup last year, and he played a few games along the way. So good for him. And the one absence uh, is former Quakes forward, Danny Hoosen, who was out with a left hip injury. So we didn't get to see him at all in this game. And I think injuries, you know, much like they have hindered his uh, availability for San Jose Earthquakes, it's been that way for Austin as well. We know the impact he can have from the bench and even sometimes from starting positions. So, but you also look at their bench and they had players like Diego Fagundes and uh, Cecilio Dominguez. So even without Danny Husson, they had plenty of options to call upon for more goals off the bench which is very fortunate that we didn't concede any goals in the second half, given those subs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Talking about the second half, I'd like to say that the Quakes absolutely turned it around. You know, the first half, it looked like Austin were controlling the game. They just looked calm calm and composed on the ball. You know, they didn't seem to be in any rush to make any forced passes, and it flipped. I don't know. uh, The team talk must have definitely worked. Second half, the Quakes came out, and they showed them... They were talking business. You know, we got out there, got the goals, and trophies. you know, that, that second goal after the penalty was definitely something to strike the ball and finish the rebound. It, it's, a, it's such a class.
0: I'll wrap up now the uh, Austin lineup, and then we'll go into each goal one at a time. So for Austin, they had Brad Stuber in goal, who has been one of the better goalkeepers this season. Then you have a back line of Hector Jimenez, Julio Cascante, Johan Romagna and Nick Lima, of course, and then holding it down in the center of the park, they had Daniel Pereira and Alexander Ring, although he didn't finish the game. We'll go into that as well. Then in the right-wing spot, they had John Gallagher. In the cam, they had Sebastian Driussi, and then in the left-wing spot, they had Thomas Pacchettino, getting his first start of the season, Musa Digite, of Senegal, uh, starting ahead of usually Cecilio Dominguez. But like we mentioned, he came off the bench as well as Fagundes. Mackenzie Gaines, as well, was a late substitute for julio Cascante. And their last option was the Paraguayan uh, Ronnie Redes, although technically he was the last offensive option. He was subbed on at the same time as uh, Fagundes. But uh, one other notable absence for Austin FC uh, with a concussion is Matt Beisler, a U.S. former U.S. men's national team player, and it's notable because this is the first team he's played for other than Sporting Kansas City. He's made 294 appearances in Kansas City, so it was definitely w- weird to see him in different colors or in a different team this season.
1: Yeah, you know, 294 appearances, that is a lifetime of appearances. That's yeah, that's definitely a lot, you know?
0: Right. And during the height of his involvement with the national team, he had some opportunities to go to Europe and through his decisions, as well as moves perhaps not panning out or fearing maybe that a move would have resulted in him in not gaining regular game time. He just stuck with sporting Kansas City. He won an MLS Cup with them in twenty thirteen and he went on to achieve other good things as well. You know, that that, goes to show (laughs) that
1: that goes to show, you know, you stick around long enough and you build a good team and you could build something and actually win something. You know, that's that goes for the Quakes too. We'd love to see a couple of players stick around and really perform and really push for the title and really really go for it and get the wins.
0: Yeah, and it's not to say that chris wonalowski will be regretting too much about his career i think he loves san jose and the team he but when he won the supporter shield in 2012 i don't think he nor quakes fans envisioned that that would be the most recent trophy that they have won
1: yeah you know we we would have loved to have more trophies i guess things don't always pan out like in like in a movie or so you know yeah. there's always there's always hard thoughts or hard fights to go through but I mean that's still a trophy you know yeah. it's, still a trophy it's still something and yeah go ahead
0: yeah it's still something and he there are many players that stick around for clubs that don't win anything so we are grateful for that
1: very true very true
0: And now now for the goals. And the first half, this is going to be pretty frustrating. Uh, But then we're going to get into the good stuff. So the first goal came in the sixth minute of this match. Uh, Driussi, he was a game-changing signing for Austin in the sense that it's not going to be enough to turn their season around to the point that they get to the playoffs, but it has made them a better team. Uh, He scored the opening goal. It was a very uh, reactive instinctive goal where JT Marcinkowski made the initial save, but Drewsy snuck behind Tanner Beeson and cashed in for the first goal. And for all the good work Tanner Beeson has done this season, I think that that was something Beeson could have done better.
1: Yeah, you know, you can't leave that man running in from behind. Uh, I believe somebody from the midfield as well. Maybe maybe Ramedi could have, uh, you know, tracked the runner. But, you know, I want to say a great save from JT Marcinkowski. That save was a good reaction save. It's just a bit unfortunate, you know, you have to rely on your defenders and possibly the midfielder to track back. And, you know, the second, the second uh, touch was unfortunately a goal, you know, but we go into the second goal where, uh, you know, uh, a second goal was more of a build-up play from Austin's part. You know, they had a good, a couple, a couple good touches on the ball where they coming through the left, you know, building up from the midfield. And they get, give a good triangle pass around uh, the D of the Earthquakes box. And, you know, the cross to the back post, it's a very a low cross on the back to the back post was a very uh, effective play, you know, and we saw ourselves go down and concede again there.
0: Yeah. So, if the tricky in Tanner Beeson's defense, and not necessarily contradicting myself, hopefully, I believe he was facing JT Marcinkowski, so it is kind of difficult to be an owl in that situation and know who's coming behind you, but it is part of being a defender. You're constantly shifting. You're not looking in one direction the whole time, and th- what could have helped Tanner Beeson as well as other defenders around him, like you mentioned, communicating and you know, letting someone know letting him know that someone was coming for him. But that was okay at the time because 11 minutes later, Marcos Lopez had a pretty good header. It wasn't a, a six-yard box kind of header from a set piece. It was from further out than that.
1: Definitely. Great header, great header. And the, the keeper couldn't stop it. Just enough just enough power on it from Marcos Lopez to sink it in the, in the top, pretty close to the top bins. Uh, you know, it was a great header. And from a uh, Fierro corner, I believe.
0: Yeah, it was Fierro with the assist with that corner. And that's what sounds Earthquakes usually have excelled that in seasons past, that they've been able to get a lot of goals from set pieces. And what we've seen this season is they would often be a little bit wasteful. So that was a very important goal to get. And unfortunately, their uh, tied situation wouldn't last beyond the 35th minute. John Gallagher made it 2 one and the defense completely fell apart on this one. The mm-hmm. initial pass to get into the final third, uh, it was perfectly timed. So it wasn't offside and there was three Austin uh, attackers that made the same run to stay on side and they're in behind the defense. And it, it was just a simple FIFA sweaty goal. And it was just what was the defense doing? I can tell you, and other than they just got caught flat-footed and sleeping, that's simply what it came down to. I think.
1: Yeah, I would agree. A little bit of I would also give a little credit to Austin FC for the play, but you know, I would I would say we got to do better on those. We can't switch off defensively. It, it's the game is ninety minutes, sometimes one hundred and twenty minutes. You know, uh, you got to be on on your game at all times and making sure you are communicative and you're telling. Uh, Your players who to mark and where the runners are, and that's just what we didn't do. We switched off for that bit for that little bit, and you know, they got their goal.
0: Yep, and so the final goal of the first half, and this guy would already played a role in the assist for the Gallagher goal. And he would continue to play a role both good and bad for Austin FC throughout the game. He had Alexander ring who just added insult to injury there. He scored a goal from outside the box and it was fourth goal of the year. So he's not someone who scores a lot of goals, but you wouldn't have guessed that from the attempt that he took to end the half on an even bigger high for Austin. And it's not surprising in the sense that he is a good player. He's a Finnish international, but still, for the Quakes to go down 3 1 at halftime, and I tweeted this, and I can't be more glad to have been wrong about this tweet that this is it. Like, I didn't see a comeback happening. I saw this team falling apart. I thought whatever sort of comeback energy this team had left went to waste against the real salt lake side that beat us on Wednesday and there was an olympical attempt by trophies that yeah could have been great it was it forced a good save from Brad Stuber but that felt like a last resort move to me if you're not creating anything else you try that and if it worked it would have been great but that shouldn't have been plan a should have been plan c or plan d so I was thinking if Quakes are running out of ideas against Austin, which is probably, with all due respect, uh, the easiest opponent they have left in the schedule, uh, then it's not going to get any better. But thankfully, it got better this time around, and they live to fight another day, and it starts with uh, Christian Espinoza's goal four minutes into the second half.
1: Absolutely. You know, Christian Espinosa, I'm glad he was, I'm glad he kicked off the comeback. I'm Mm -hmm. absolutely glad because I'm buzzing for the result. I'm buzzing for the results uh, last night. It it was, it was great.
0: I think so. And I've said this in several podcasts and I feel like it still bears repeating because I always talk to Quakes fans who wonder what does Christian Espinosa do on this team? And sometimes, and while this is, I, I think this Quakes team is decent and talented. Sometimes it does feel like Christian Espinoza is a quarterback without a receiver. He is making good plays every game and sometimes it produces results. Sometimes it doesn't. Maybe he's a bit more assist heavy and he could add a few more goals to his game, but the goals he do, does score tend to be very important and that was the case this time. And the assist from Kekanovic also strengthens his calls to get more minutes, especially in comparison to Andy Rios.
1: Yeah, I would say so, too. You know, he kind of really impressed me up there. You know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, he makes a couple of good runs. You know, the assist definitely helps his cause for him to get more minutes in rotation.
0: What did you think of the penalty that led to Chofis' goal to make it
1: 3-3? It's a penalty. It's a penalty. Mm-hmm. And Chofis, Chofis placed it well. He placed it well, forced, forced the keeper Uh, he forced the keeper to, I mean, the keeper went the right way, but he forced the keeper to try to make the save and it still went in just to to show that he placed it correctly. And, you know, they got into a bit of a scuffle there after the penalty. I don't know if you want to comment a bit on that.
0: Yeah. So after the penalty, Trophies scored, it was 3-3. And what I appreciate about it, is you don't often see this if the scoreline is tied or in your favor in this case, it was tied, not still like 3-2 down or something. The Quakes were trying to get the ball back, and there was an Austin player preventing them from doing it. I believe it was Romagna, but I wasn't entirely sure. But anyway, I think Espinoza pushed him out of the way, the Austin player, and then Mm -hmm. Brad Stuber came in with a Wario shoulder tackle and tried to get it back, and then a brawl ensued. and A
1: whole body slam from the goalkeeper on our player.
0: Yeah, it's like, Brad Stuber, I didn't know you knew the move Double-Edge, but it didn't seem to do any <laughs> recoil damage. Anyway, uh, both Espinoza and Stuber got a, a yellow card. Stuber, potentially lucky to have escaped a red, because yeah if anything, it was unnecessary. Like the Absolutely unnecessary. Is dead, like, and it was retaliation, too. Uh, I do think Espinoza could have handled it better because there was still time left and it wasn't the 89th minute going for a winner sort of situation. I appreciate the desire to want to get the game restarted and get that winning goal, but it definitely could have been avoided both parties were at fault and maybe the fair thing to do was to just give both a yellow card and move on.
1: Yeah, I would say the goal. Uh, sorry, the the referee was losing the game a bit. It was getting a little bit out of his control. You know, if you would have sent off the keeper there, I'm not quite convinced we would have gotten the fourth goal. I feel like because of the scuffle, maybe their goalkeeper was a bit, uh, you know, a bit scattered brain and and uh, didn't make the save the, uh, following from trophies. But you know that that little, the the little kickoff there. It was um. I personally would have given the goalkeeper a red. Uh, the ball's not in play. He didn't go for the ball. It was un- it was a uh, completely intentional. You know, it was more of a malicious attack than than anything else. Um, personally, I would have been a red for me. But yeah, a yellow, yellow. You know, it keeps the game. It keeps the game. And from the ref's per- perspective, uh, to keep it under control again, get it get it under wraps, and uh, let the game play on. You know, that's what we all want to see at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I think I can live with the refereeing decision on there, but it hasn't been the case with every referee decision that has been made these last two games, that's for sure. And we'll talk more about that uh, with some of the listener questions about Almeida in particular, who, of course, was suspended for this game. And the last goal came from Chofis, and it was another clutch moment for him. We spoke about his five goals in two games it's very impressive
1: stuff. Yeah, Chofis, Uh, I don't know if he's going to have back problems, but I know he's been <laughs> carrying the quakes for a while these last two games. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive, you know, that a hat trick a is great. And back to back, you know, another game, another performance. Uh, two goals, very important goals. And, you know, a penalty is, is hard to score from the spot. And the second finish is just a touch of class, in my Damn. opinion
0: probably the equivalent of doing one squat for every minute he played in these last two games and with at least two of those 45 pound plates on each side (laughs) yeah so great stuff from trophies and he's come in a great run of form and i think he's definitely proven to be a worthwhile signing and we will also talk about his future as a Quakes player later on in the podcast but two minutes after that uh, it went from bad to worse for Austin Alexander Ring got tagged with his second yellow card and, and on an overeager tackle it was an awful tackle and Terrible. Normally, if you're on a yellow card, you think that's you the last that. thing I want to do. Like let someone else deal with it, who's not on a yellow.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, that tackle was not great, and you know what? I'm happy he, he made the tackle because you know at the end he gets sent off. There it gives gives us a little bit of an advantage. So you uh, think to keep playing.
0: So you think, but then the next thing that happens is I notice is like, hmm, Austin still has a lot of the ball, and then ten minutes more pass. Oh, here's another corner for Austin. Oh, here's another shot. Like what the hell is going on? Like Austin was still piling on pressure. This is not supposed to happen.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, it, with ten men versus eleven, that's that stuff shouldn't happen. But you know, overall the Quakes got the result. And I'm I'm yeah, I'm happy that that keeps business. us that keeps us in in for contention. I feel like with the nine games to go, we we're still in it. You know, we just have to keep fighting. You never say die. And you know the results away are, are always going to be difficult. They're always going to be difficult. And like you said, Austin is definitely one of the easier teams we have left. Next, uh, I believe we have the Galaxy, right? LAFC. Uh, LAFC. Yeah, you know, another Darby. We have uh, we have to completely perform. Yes. It's only going to get harder from here. Test so, of character.
0: And... I'll I'll be clear because maybe there's an Austin fan or two listening to this easiest doesn't mean easy because every team in MLS can put up a fight and Austin definitely did that and I think the table Austin someone has to be at the bottom it happens to be Austin but we've seen some bad teams in MLS before and Austin aren't don't scratch like the worst MLS team ever. conversation like they're doing pre they're doing uh, I mean they're not doing great obviously because the table does have some truth to it in the sense that they haven't been getting the results but you can see pieces of a team that can be a winning team with Austin given a little more time a couple more seasons and a lot of these players whether it be with Austin or someone else I wouldn't be surprised to see them going far in the playoffs potentially lifting that trophy in
1: the end you know they're a good expansion team I personally don't uh you know personally i like the color green a lot i think yeah it's a good it's a good uh good color for a team you know a good expansion team they got a couple of good players off of us you know like you mentioned you got a nick lima there and danny who's and and the goalkeeper there you know they got good players they have their own squad in their own right and you know they're definitely they could do something down the line i i would
0: probably be a bit uh, biased if I were saying like Nick Lima was one of their most important players. Uh, he's definitely a contributor, but I think the acquisitions they've made from outside the MLS have been the most impressive, such as Sebastian see, I think that's going to serve them well in the future.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Uh, let's quickly review some of the stats. Each team had 15 shots in this game. Austin had 10 on target, Quakes had eight. Uh, Austin had a 51% possession uh, advantage. Uh, Quakes had a higher passing accuracy, 83% to 79. Both created two chances and had eight corners. Austin had 17 fouls and San Jose had 10. Uh, San Jose had two offsides and there were nine yellow cards given uh, to eight different players. So it was definitely a slugfest at times.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say a pretty balanced uh, game uh, given by those stats. You know, the possession was kind of give and take, give and take. Uh, I'm sure that's a little bit of an average because there was times that uh, one team would have the ball more than the other, you know, but for there to be that many fouls, uh, it was definitely a bit of a slugfest.
0: And the biggest uh, uh, news to come out of the uh, press conference is that uh, Matias Almeida's contract with the San Jose Earthquakes as manager uh, has no Chivas buyback clause so this is usually the time of year as the MLS season comes to a close where the rumors for Matias Almeida to go somewhere in Mexico uh, start to ramp up and he continues to dispel them whether people believe them or not it depends on whether you're a San Jose Earthquakes fan or a Chivas fan usually but <laughs> I think Matias Almeida, he doesn't seem like he's someone who wants to leave. He may have looked very disappointed and defeated. He certainly was angry uh, at many things, potentially, when I got to speak with him in the uh, press conference on Wednesday. But it, he's human. Like it, He's allowed to f- feel s- some disappointment at times. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's booking a flight to Guadalajara.
1: Yeah, I would agree. You know, I'm personally a big Matias Almeida fan. Uh, I would love for him to stay here in the earthquakes. I think what he's building a really good project. You know, he's on he's on a couple of years now, and I would love for him to stick around. I would love for it. And hearing the news of him not having that buyback clause or Chivas not having the buyback clause, it's, my opinion, a bit of good news, you know? Um, what, what is your opinion on that?
0: I think it's good news, I think. Matias Almeida, he... he hasn't gotten everything right. And sometimes when he gets it wrong, it's really a head scratcher. But he's get instilled a lot of qualities in this Earthquakes team that I think can be productive towards making them a more competitive team in this league. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can still do with wh- however long he chooses to be here. And on that note, I'll talk about some of the recent results. And as for the uh, weekday matches, The ones that stand out to me are the ones from the Leagues Cup and the CONCACAF Champions League. So the good news for MLS is that the Seattle Sounders beat Santos Laguna 1-0 in the Leagues Cup semifinals. So they will face Club León, who beat Pumas 2-0 in their semifinal, in the final at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. That will be an interesting one. I think Seattle Sounders would have a good chance to beat uh, Club León, but Liga Mekis – have uh MLS's number and I think that is apparent when you look at the CONCACAF Champions League results where on one hand Monterrey beat Cruz Azul pretty convincingly for one in one semifinal in the MLS versus Liga MX matchup uh Club America mirrored their 2-0 victory from the Azteca and did did that again in Philadelphia to Knock out the last MLS club standing in that competition. So this Concacaf Champions League final will be between Club America and Monterrey. Your thoughts?
1: You know that's going to be a final. You know I'd love to see an MLS team make it to the final and and take it all the way. It's always seems to be either a Mexican team or you know along those lines. It's just I think it's going to be a good game. You know Monterrey America. America is a really good team. They got Ochoa back and. And we all know what he's capable of keeping keeping those uh, balls out of, keeping the ball out of the net and you know for a final if I could give a prediction I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say it's gonna be four three for yeah, America wow oh, okay. um, I don't know why you know personally I am a Chivas supporter yeah I just, me too <laughs> I, just, I just feel um, at the end of the day maybe Guillermo is probably gonna have a couple of good saves that's gonna edge it
0: yeah I think. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. Those are the two uh, strongest teams within the last few years uh, overall, because everything shifts so often in the Mexican domestic leagues, uh, similar to MLS. And while America is still up there in the table for the Apertura season right now, Monterrey is kind of in the middle of the pack, so it'll be interesting. And some of the more recent uh, MLS results, we have the Red Bulls beating Inter-Miami 4-0, which was a surprise to me. Uh, Atlanta United beat DC United 3-2. Columbus Crew held New England Revolution to a 1-1 draw. Uh, New York City beat Cincinnati 2-1. Toronto beat Nashville 2-1. That was the shock of the weekend uh, because Toronto have had an awful season. And a good result for us in the sense that their arrivals, not necessarily it helps our position, but Minnesota beat LA Galaxy 3-0, and wrapping it up, you had Houston Dynamo beating FC Dallas 3-2. Now, that result does help San Jose Earthquakes because it keeps FC Dallas from moving up, and Real Salt Lake beat Seattle Sanders 1-0, which is not good for us, but it's nice seeing Seattle Sanders squirm a bit, too, so we'll be okay. We have one more match coming up against Real Salt Lake this season, so if it comes down to it, we do have a chance to make up some ground. But any thoughts on those results?
1: Uh, pretty solid results, I would say. Um, it could come down to the wire, you know, uh, for the Quakes. Uh, like you said, we still have the game versus Rosa Salt Lake. It could come down to the wire for us to qualify or not, you know. The thing about this team, about the San Jose Earthquakes, is I don't believe we have top, top-notch quality players. But I do believe we have – this team or this worth eth- ethic and belief that with the right players and the right pieces that we could make a push and make it, to, make it to there. And I feel like they thrive off of that energy. Like we saw in the MLS's back tournament that they just want to go out there and play and, and play for glory and, and, you know, give it their all. So it could come down to the wire, uh, making it to, to the, to the, you know, to the playoffs, but a good set of results, I would say, uh, um especially with that Dallas one that, that helped us out
0: yeah and you know, looking at how that all shapes up the tables here so Western Conference it's still a solid top three it's Kansas City Seattle Sounders and Colorado Rapids uh five point gap between Rapids and third with LA Galaxy and fourth it, a few weeks ago, it looked like LA Galaxy was the end of the top tier of Western Conference, but now they're starting to get dragged down a bit. They're only two points ahead of Real Salt Lake in fifth. And then a further two points down, you have both Timbers and Minnesota United, which means below the playoff line, LAFC with 33 points, San Jose Earthquakes with 30 points. Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, not much was expected of them this season, but they're still in it with 29 points. And then it's the Dallas trio rounding out the table. What are your thoughts on the Western Conference?
1: You know, I still want to see the Quakes make the push.
0: Um... I think they can, yeah.
1: With that table that you just laid out there, I think that's definitely uh, that's still a possibility. But like I might have mentioned, it's, it's still coming down to the wire. It's still all to play for. With nine games to go, it's. Uh, I feel like the table might get shaken up a bit by, by the end of the season.
0: You need a bit of fortune at this point because the gap is more than three points between playoffs and not playoffs for the Sounds of Earthquakes. You don't want it to get more than – you, even six points would be tough because then you need to make up two wins, whereas four points means you have to make up a win and a draw. And it's still very unbalanced in the sense that some teams like the whitecaps who only played 23 games, some like FC Dallas have played 26. Quakes are currently at 25 so uh, we'll see what happens there. A uh, quick look at the Eastern Conference. New England Revolution dropped points, but they don't care. They're at 56 points, 15 ahead of second-place Nashville. And then it becomes a mess. Only seven points separate third-place New York from 10th-place Columbus Crew. So all those teams are still in. Red Bulls are also at 26 points. It might be too little too late, but with that 4-0 win over Inter-Miami – like, they don't look like they're giving up on this season. The same cannot be said for the bottom three. It's a good win for Toronto over Nashville, but they're still bottom with 18 points, below Chicago Fire and Cincinnati. Uh, your thoughts on the East?
1: That's a pretty crazy table. You said 15 yeah. points clear at the top, and everyone else at the bottom is seven points within. That's a pretty crazy table, you know. It's uh, all to play for there. Yeah, and it
0: could be weird to see I think we're used to seeing a stronger Western Conference, but if you look at the playoff line, you can see a star-studded Inter-Miami miss out. You can see Philadelphia Union, last season's supporter Shield, miss out. You can see last season's champions, Columbus Crew, who defeated Seattle in the final, miss out if the playoffs were to
1: start today. So
0: the Eastern Conference is a bit of a bloodbath as well.
1: Yeah, very interesting uh, table that they got going on.
0: Upcoming MLS and other relevant games. Uh, We have some other games coming up today even. So this table will change uh, after we are done recording. Montreal versus Chicago Fire. Philadelphia Union versus Orlando. Portland Timbers versus LAFC. That's going to be a key game, and I'll explain why in just a sec. And Colorado Rapids versus Vancouver Whitecaps. And then during the week, we have the League Cup final between Leon and Seattle Sounders we have even the canadian championship between toronto versus york united i imagine that's a preliminary round and we have some more midweek action most notably the new york red bulls in new york city the new york derby there and then more mls to come with saturday and sunday's uh schedule there what game stands out the most to you chris uh Let's focus on Saturday and Sunday, since I didn't pick out any of those games in particular.
1: For Saturday and Sunday, uh, sorry, can you say the game that was for Saturday and Sunday? I heard that it was. I heard that they got the New York. They actually
0: York. also meet on Saturday, so it's going to be the reverse. They play once ah. on Wednesday, which will be hosted by New York's City? No, I think it'll be hosted in uh, Red Bull Arena on Wednesday, and then it'll be hosted in Yankee Stadium on Saturday. So I think that'll Very be the one to look out for. Along with on Sunday, I'm gonna circle the Sporting Kansas City versus Seattle Sounders game. Uh, the two best teams in the Western Conference going head to head there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. You know, uh, kind of going back to the New York result. That's you know they're gonna play Wednesday. Then again on Saturday. That's that should be a Two good fixtures there. But for the Sunday game, uh, definitely uh, also good fixtures.
0: We'll get to see if the Red Bulls beating Inter-Miami 4-0 is a fluke or not because New York City, they have to be on their guard too because they only barely beat Cincinnati. Yeah. All right. And then now we can start to see the finish line for the Quakes. So, of course, we know uh, they play LAFC at home Saturday, September 25th, 7 p.m., And then after that, four days later, they have Sounders at home. Then they go to British Columbia to take on Vancouver Whitecaps three days later before the international break. Then the rest of their games, LAFC on the road, Austin at home, Whitecaps at home, Timbers at Providence Park. They close out the season with Real Salt Lake at Rio Tinto stadium and their final game of the season is at home to FC Dallas. So You can start to sort of put some potential pieces together, what to expect, but it's going to be very interesting. That it will be. Yep, and now let's answer some of these listener questions. Thank you to everyone who asked a question here. And we'll start with a very simple question. So Nico Gonzalez, who is also known on Discord as Trophies with Cheese. At yeah. Nico Gonzalez on Twitter asks, do we deserve trophies?" And I think it's fair to say he is the hero we need, but perhaps not we deserve, because the Quakes have made it hard on him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, at times I would say so. Uh, but you know, uh, every, every, every team in the MLS needs a goal scorer. Yeah. And, and trophies has been that man, at least for the last two games. And we've seen him before pop up with a couple of good goals, moving into some good space. Uh, I would say, yes, we, we do deserve him, but I would love for him to stay. Uh, we'll see how that plays out though.
0: And my good friend, David Alcaraz, uh, he is a LAFC and Chivas fan. So he asks if we think Chovis will stay with San Jose in 2022, because he is on loan at Chivas. Uh, that loan expires at the end of the season. And is, they do get priority what they decide they want to do him. And it's a yeah. catch 22 because you want Chovis to do well. So the Quakes can do well this season. But if, if he does so well, that Chivas feel like they need him for the Clausura in 2022, we could be left without our, our best goal scorer, at least right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you make a good point there, for sure. And I think uh, Chofi said uh, that he was, he was loving life in San Jose. That could play a piece. Maybe he could talk to the directors there at Chivas, and I don't know uh, how the business would go, uh, that business aspect would go, but, you know, if he's loving life here and... We're loving life with him here. You know, it could be, it could be a good thing for him to stay here if all parties agree.
0: Yeah, and I believe him when he says he wants to stay, because he scored a hat trick and he lost a game. It's not easy to say that when your team does that to you. Not necessarily in the sense that it was intentional, but there's no other way to put it. Like it was right. a really tough position for him to be
1: put in. So
0: hopefully, it all works out and we get to see him again next season. But it's not a guarantee
1: yeah you know the quakes have been pretty good at securing those loan to buy deals mm-hmm. you know we had the espinosa for an example and yeah that's uh a good, yeah that's a great piece of business per, uh, personally i uh, think so but you know if we could do it again uh, that'd be great i would love to see joffie stay i will say espinosa was
0: a different situation because as talented as he is he wasn't getting too much game time with villarreal so it was no sweat off their back to let him stay at san Jose weeks permanently since he wasn't in their long-term plans it could potentially be different for chivas especially since they have that policy of only playing mexican players so their pool of talent is significantly smaller compared to the rest of the world
1: yeah yeah that's a big that's a big thing to think about as well you make a good point
0: uh We have a question that multiple people asked in different ways. We'll save that for last. We'll go on to Jordy Smith. I think Trophies or maybe the team as a whole, has figured out how to make Trophies' style of play much more effective. I'd like to know what Trophies thinks about his recent ability to find, create space, and keep defenders on the back foot. He looks amazing right now. Um, I think Trophies has got to be loving the purple patch he's in, and hopefully this form becomes the trophies that we expect them to be because you know what they say form is temporary but class is forever
1: yeah that is a a very true statement and uh if he keeps it up that statement will ring true because you know trophies has been finding form the team has been finding form with trophies the way their play styles have been complementing each other he's finding a lot of space uh outside of the d i see him kind of just doing a little bit of a motion where he walks around and then he, he, he scored a couple of good positional goals where he has a good striker uh, instinct and a, a good couple of uh, uh, physical goals where he has the ability to go and just force the ball into the net, you know. Uh, but the Quakes have been able to work with him and we're seeing, we're reeking in the benefits now from that.
0: Ryan, also known as Donum on Discord, asks... Is there a lack of consistent style over time the mark of a good team or a bad team? He cites things such as going from a man marking system to this new play style, players playing out of position, spurts of goals followed by droughts. And I think the jury is still out. Uh, the Quakes have been so inconsistent, so Jekyll and Hyde that I can't really put my finger on whether they are truly a good team or they're a truly bad team. Like sometimes they're a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, I would say that kind of falls on sometimes they play with belief. I believe they're more of like uh, a good average team, but with that extra bit of uh, you know energy burst that comes from belief and wanting to play uh, for
0: the shirt. Yep, that is definitely a factor, I think. And that's been a consistent thing we've been hearing from former players when we've had them for interviews, as well as when we do get a chance to be at the press conferences as well, that – Players seem to enjoy playing for San Jose Earthquakes. through the good and the bad.
1: Yeah, we had a, sadly, Jonesworth out of the part. I mean, I feel like still a good piece of business, but he said that he he was loving life in San Jose, that he was very grateful. And, you know, other players as well. I'm sure it's not a bad place to play.
0: Next, we have Nabil. And... My main question is just how we as fans should assess Almeida. I don't think the Quakes roster has a lot of top-end talent. So playoffs or bust isn't necessarily fair to Almeida. So what should be the main goal? And I think I'll have to disagree with Nabil there because Almeida has been at the helm for San Jose Quakes for several seasons now. And especially now that seven teams make the playoffs in each conference, I think you do get judged on playoffs or not. Whether it's fair or not, that can be debated, but I do think making it to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons, something that Quakes haven't been able to do in a long time, would be an important barometer to see what's going on with Matias Almeida's uh, influence on this team.
1: Yeah, that would be a great achievement, back-to-back seasons into the playoffs, that, that could speak to what he is trying to build uh, here at San Jose Earthquakes.
0: Yep. Uh, John on Twitter asks, do you think Matias will go to three center backs again to bring some stability, or will the untamed style of play uh, be the decision he makes to make this playoff push? And I think right now, I think he feels more comfortable with the four at the back. I think... If you go back and forth too many times, it's going to shake things up and make yeah. things harder for the defense. And it can be something that offenses can exploit.
1: Yeah, you know, that's that's definitely true. Uh, I would say stick with the back four. If I say maybe if... He sees it fit in some kind of tactical situation where maybe the, the other team is a man down and we need a goal. Uh, maybe you could employ some in-game tactics type of thing. But I would say probably starting starting lineup uh for four defenders at the back should should be the way to go.
0: All right. And next we have D Devlin 2. With Matias suspended, why was Rios put into this lineup still? And it was kind of a rhetorical question he answered it himself but i do also want to highlight a response from dom from uh quick after 90 or i believe that's sorry i get the podcast missed uh mixed up and your background is a little windy chris so that's kind of a factor but sorry about that. Uh, dom mentioned uh rios is a key piece of the club culture and locker room which is why he gets minutes and i do think that that is something that fans we don't often consider or appreciate and that's the reality of the situation
1: yeah yeah that would say so.
0: yeah we hey. are coming close on time here i know you have to go so i'm just going to address the remaining fan questions so mark sure. n yeah. says if Ebobise isn't playing. He wants Kikanovic in, uh, and I agree that he should get a bit more of the minutes that Rios is getting. Uh, thanks for uh, uh, helping with that background noise there. And also, he wants to see K attack more one v one to gain that confidence. And I think he does that fine, but I do think his decision making can be improved a little bit more. Uh, next for Eli Sandoval Jr. Uh, he wanted to congratulate us on our success with this awesome podcast. Thank you, Eli. And, Thank you, Eli. And he thinks that we are beginning to see what trophies can do. He's been amazing in these last few games. Uh, he hopes that he can keep this production. And he also wants to give a shout-out to Remedy. He's been the key cog in midfield. Yeah. And that also uh, begs the question, we forgot to mention this, who is your player of the match? Would you say still trophies?
1: Ooh. Ah, uh, yeah. I would say probably trophies. You know, it's not easy to to score the penalty under pressure, and it's not yeah. easy to score that that goal that he did. You know, off of the rebound. It was between three players, I believe, to win the ball between three players and still. Still get it in the back of the net. It was good. I would I would probably give the man of the match for trophies.
0: Yeah, I'll give trophies man of the match with an honorable mention of JT Marcinkowski. Despite conceding seven goals in two games, JT Marcinkowski has played very well for the most part. Uh, there's a couple of mistakes, but he's made up for it with some big saves, and we don't win this game without him. That's uh, true. Eli also added, Do you feel like Matias's criticism of the pro refs are justified? And we can go on and on about the referees. My opinion is I think the criticism is justified, but it, you can criticize them differently if you're a fan versus if you are a coach. You are more high profile as a coach. So there are some things that Almeida has to uh, understand when he's addressing Mia and talking about the referees. But at the same time, he is in a bit of a tough situation because even if you're the nicest person and suggesting the referees do something differently, anything can be uh, considered criticism so I don't envy his position regarding how he's dealing with the referees
1: yeah I don't either you know like you said as as the coach it's definitely a hard spot to be in if you want to say something about the referees it's a lot more high profile so uh yeah that's definitely the position that he's in and I I couldn't knock for it
0: all right and before we get into our final question, we have a couple questions from our fellow Tectonic Takes podcasters. Abel asks, there's a missing piece in the defense besides Nathan. And I believe that if you were to upgrade anyone in the defense, it'd probably be at that right back position. I'm not saying Nick Lima would be the answer, but I think Luciano Abacassi's at best was a lateral move.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Abacassi is definitely, uh, he puts in a shift, you know, when he's needed by Almeida, but uh we need to step up a step up in quality in that position. I would agree. Uh, maybe I could maybe argue that another center back to partner Nathan. You know, somebody to who could carry the ball out and who could play uh, a couple of good through balls through the midfield. We've seen uh, Nathan be very aggressive. Like <laughs> yeah, like Alani's, but I would say someone like. Uh, Maybe, you know, more depth. If we could have more depth, we can't go wrong with that. Uh, Especially when we go away games, you know, building a a strong team uh, would never work against you. And, um, yeah, I would agree with you also. The right back position uh, could be useful.
0: I'll leave this one to you. And it's just a one word or like one acronym answer question. Favi asks, was trophy's best position, Cam or right winger? Center forward. You think I he should it be say. the number nine rather than either of those two. You pick option C.
1: Option C, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say he's a good striker. I, I like him as like the center forward position. Um just tucked in, like maybe tucked out a bit from the striker position. Uh, Not necessarily a cam, not necessarily a striker, but there to score the goals and there to set up the goals. And I think uh, he could probably excel there, especially if he keeps playing in the form that that he is in.
0: All right. And then our last question. So Anik Rusinov on Facebook mentioned that he believes playoff hopes survive another week. And I feel like he's one of the most objective Quakes fans I know. So if he believes that Quakes still have a chance, then our beliefs are pretty justified as well. Um, And this is also related to a question we got both from Tishana on Discord and our friend Danny from L3Pod. Let's both say percentage. Uh, what would that percentage of making the playoffs be at this moment in time, with both the loss to Russell Lake and the win to against Austin? Anywhere from zero to one hundred percent. With the as uh, our probability of making the playoffs? Yes, it doesn't have to be the. You don't have to have done the math ahead of time. Just your gut feeling. Gut feeling.
1: Uh, with no banter, I would say probably sixty-nine percent confident that we will push <laughs> no banter
0: it. and then you say 69 <laughs> percent. oh my gosh so that's just, a tectonic I'm, take right there
1: <laughs> yes yes indeed I think we're more likely to make that push than not I believe in 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 that late push it's gonna be a late push down to the wire but you know we believe we believe in the club and and we want to see them succeed what, what would you say the percentage is I say the
0: percentage is around 50%. I think it depends on the next few games to put yourself in a position to succeed. And you are relying on other teams, but you still have enough to make a statement for yourself with the results you achieve yourselves. So I think 50% would be the highest I would go.
1: All right, yeah, I wouldn't say that's that's not a bad shout. I'd say that's a pretty fair shout uh, for sure.
0: Before we go, uh, just two more things to do. First is thank our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And if you're tired of the same old cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, if you're looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club or senior league squad, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new kit today at IcarusFC.com. And let's briefly preview the next game versus LAFC. And it's looking like only two California teams will reach the playoffs this season. And this game could determine who joins LA galaxy. Uh, Sounds like earthquakes beat LAFC last time by hanging on to a lead for a significant amount of time. It's what they did in this Austin game. It's something they haven't done too many times. So hopefully lightning can strike once again and my two questions for you before our closing tectonic take is the triangle of rivalries brewing? So we have the Cali Classico between Galaxy and San Jose. We have the El Trafico between LA Galaxy and LAFC. Is there some potential rivalry between San Jose Earthquakes and uh, LAFC? Could this be kind of like a Chelsea Arsenal Tottenham situation?
1: I would absolutely agree. Yes. Uh, you know, I was there up in the stands from when Carlos Vela got his hat trick, uh, I believe last season or a couple of seasons ago, we lost really bad. I, I believe that was one of the first games we played against them. And mm-hmm. to start off like that, it's to brew up a rivalry. You know, it's it's to want to go to their house and win. is to defend our house and it's, to, and it's to go out there and make sure we get the three points. You know, I would say that there is definitely a rivalry brewing. Not as big as the, the Cali Clasico. You know, yeah. but it's definitely, uh, definitely a fixture to play for. Definitely a fixture to go out there and win.
0: All right, and I think for me, the jury's still out. I think there was a large stretch of time where, like Minnesota United, LAFC just keep beating us and seemingly effortlessly. So we do need to make up for that with a few more results in our favor. But there are some potential for a rival. And the last point I have is. The Quakes played yesterday on Saturday. The LAFC will play tonight. Uh, do you think that extra day of rest will help the San Jose course, Since it's roughly a week for both teams, it kind of evens out.
1: It could kind of even out, I would say. Um, the extra day is good for the legs. Maybe not so for the mind. You know, Maybe they would want to ride the wave a bit of the, the fixture uh, that, they, that just passed. But um uh, take it in the right uh, way it could be a good rest day and, and a day to understand the tactics that are going to go in uh for this next fish year versus lafc
0: all right and lastly your prediction for the lafc game i'm gonna go with a 1-1 draw i think we're going to have to settle not necessarily settle but we're not going to win every game down the stretch i think that going to the Bank of California Stadium for this one, I think we might be stuck on a draw on this one. But hopefully, we at least score and we get something to build on for the next game.
1: That's that's a shout. I could I could see that. You know, one uh, one. For my prediction, I would say I would love for the Quakes to win. I would. I think it's gonna be a pretty good game. I'm gonna say two one. with Wando off the bench. Uh, I believe he was being saved, uh, possibly for this game. We'd love to see it, you know?
0: All right. Well, thank you for making time to uh, podcast with me this time, Chris. Uh, Our social media links will be in the podcast description and the YouTube description if you're watching us on YouTube. And go Quakes!
1: Go Quakes! Thank you for having me on,
0: Ivan. Yep. Until next time. Bye. Bye. (music) After the death of 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 the death of